I'm looking forward to the first in three years EMS on the Hill in person. The last three years have been virtual. This year we're back here in person. 237 people have registered. I'm looking to see this room filled with 237 people and all of us on the Hill tomorrow advocating for EMS. And thank you so much for coming all the way from across the country to join us in DC. Your outreach and your presence on the Hill tomorrow really makes an incredible impact on bringing these issues alive to members of Congress. Uh, really nice to see everybody in 3D. For too long, we've seen everybody in 2D in the Hollywood Square, so really nice to uh, see everybody in person and actually do some handshaking and some hugging and that kind of stuff. Hello, and welcome to another edition of NEEMT Radio. I'm your host, Rob Lawrence, and you just heard the voices of our president, Susan Bailey, of Evan Davis from IAFF, and also from Matt Zavansky, one of our members at large. They were all introducing EMS on the Hill, uh, which took place last month in Washington, D.C. Uh, they were anticipating a great event on the Hill, and indeed it was. Uh, this show is going to do a bit of an AAR, a bit of a hot wash, a bit of a review, and a bit of a reminder as to what went on at EMS on the Hill. Now, it took place in Washington, D.C. on March the 29th and the 30th, and we had over 200 people there representing their states, promoting the various bits of legislation. And for many, many of you out there that attended, it was your first time. And thank you very much for coming. Thank you very much for being here. And what it did, as you just heard Matt Zavadsky say, is we went from the, the 2D of Zoom to the 3D of reality. And we put uniforms in front of elected officials and people and stories. And it was an out and out success. And so let's talk about some of the legislation that we had. Here's Chris Wayne. EMS on the Hill is our opportunity as an EMS profession to come and get to talk to our congressional leaders, both in the House and the Senate here in Washington, D.C. I think there's always a chance to see them when they're in, in their district, in your district at home, but coming to Washington and being here with them in their office and their staff, where they're looking at us and we're there in our uniforms and we're making an impression, we're talking about those important issues that really matter. We're talking about things like funding for EMS. We're talking about growing the profession. We're talking about workforce shortages. We're talking about <coughs> things that matter in our current issues for us that we're facing in our profession. I think there's nothing that can be uh, matched with by doing that. I really think the opportunity to see those folks on their, their turf and be able to explain the importance of what we do in our communities. We've looked at uh, how important EMS, I really, I've described it as EMS became the Swiss army knife of COVID. You know, if no one else could figure out what to do, who'd they call, they'd call EMS. So we've really captured the, the role of healthcare providers in our community. And this is a, just another opportunity to get to showcase all of the things that we do as an EMS profession with those people that can make a difference for us. So drilling down, we want to urge Congress to reimburse EMS for TIP and TAD, that's treatment in place, and transport to alternate destinations. Under the COVID-19 public health emergency, CMS authorised waivers that allowed EMS agencies to be reimbursed for caring for patients in their home in lieu of transport and transporting patients to alternate destinations. These waivers are going to expire on May 11, 2023. Here's Chris Way again, also followed by Matt Savansky. 
We're also going to be talking about making sure we do TIP and TAD treatment in place and alternate destination transport. Uh, that's a big thing for those that uh, started doing things differently during COVID and it's proven very successful in a lot of EMS systems across the country. That's going to be huge and very successful. The waiver reimbursement policies have given EMS the flexibility to navigate patients to the right care at the right time in the right setting. While the waivers had conditions that made them difficult to use extensively in some systems, many EMS agencies that are using the waivers have demonstrated the effectiveness in helping hospitals to increase their surge capacity by having low acuity patients treated at home or transported to alternate healthcare facilities. Anyone who's been in EMS longer than eight hours knows that many patients who call 911 have medical conditions that do not require transport to the emergency department and could be more appropriately managed on scene with referral to the patient's primary care physician or by transporting from the scene of the 911 call to an alternate destination, such as an urgent care center or behavioral health center. The current EMS economic incentives encourage us to transport patients to an, to an emergency department just to be eligible for reimbursement. Changing that reimbursement model to, re to reimburse us for treatment in place and transport to an alternate destination will allow EMS agencies to implement patient-centric care protocols to, for those folks that access the 911 system by providing those patients treatment on scene along with effective navigation and transport when needed to the most appropriate healthcare destination without enduring a financial penalty for doing the right thing for the patient and for the rest of the healthcare system. It will also allow us to shorten task time. Many systems are facing long delays at overcapacity hospital emergency departments, and by not transporting patients to those emergency departments, you have a shorter cycle time, making more resources available for your local community. Recent estimates on the costs for a hospital emergency department range from 2,500 to $5,000 per visit. In addition to enhancing clinical care through the use of treatment in place and transport to alternate destinations, every patient who is appropriately navigated to an alternative source of care will be able to avoid the expense of a hospital emergency department visit. We are working with Senator Carper from Delaware and Senator Cortez Masto from Nevada to introduce legislation for CMS to reimburse for treatment in place and transport to alternate destinations. We hope that legislation will be introduced in the near future. We're also requesting Congress to fund and reauthorize SIREN. The SIREN Act was signed into law on December the 20th, 2018. The law created a grant program for public and non-profit EMS agencies and fire departments in rural areas to support the recruitment retention, education, and equipping of EMS personnel. Rural EMS agencies and fire departments often lack resources to pay for even basic operational needs, and this program is aimed at helping meet some of those needs. Again, Chris Way followed 
by Evan Davis from the International Association of firefighters. I mean, boy, that's important because that's a way for rural ambulance services to get 20, up to $20 million in funding. We did have $10 million. The ask from Congress this year is to increase that from $10 million to $20 million. So we're really looking for that to become permanent legislation again with an increased rate. You know, more than five, six years ago, uh, the IFF is proud to have partnered with NAEMT and, and our other partners in D.C. to really highlight to members of Congress the need to improve funding levels for EMS agencies. Um, the idea behind the siren grants was first kicked off, uh, Congressman from Wisconsin, I don't know how many Wisconsin uh, folks we got in the room tonight, uh, but it really came from one of your members. Uh, it's Congressman Sean Duffy, he's, he's unfortunately no longer with us in Congress, but he came to him and me and said that every day he drove out of his house, he passed a fire station that had a little thermometer outside the fire station to measure donations that they received. And he was concerned because every day he drove past that thermometer, the, the little red you know, measurement on, on the thing, it wasn't going up. It stayed right at the bottom of the thermometer. And he came to us and he was convinced the sign was broken and that station probably needed more money to fix the sign. Uh, we had to break the, the sad truth to Congressman Duffy that the sign was working just fine. It was the funding mechanism for EMS agencies that was broken. Uh, relying on community donations is a great concept uh, but not to preach to the choir here, obviously this day and age when well, we're looking at the cost of medications, the cost of vehicles, the cost of training, the cost of recruiting folks, whether you're on the volunteer or the career side, it's unsustainable on the meager and incomplete reimbursements we get from CMS. We needed some form of, of a grant to help us bridge that gap. Uh, for the folks who don't know or aren't familiar with Siren Grants, this is a really critical way for HHS, Department of Health and Human Services, to infuse money into really rural agencies across the country. The grants can be used for a wide variety of uses, from, from recruiting personnel, purchasing an ambulance, buying supplies, buying medications. Uh, really is based on the idea that local governments and, and local EMS agencies know what they need better than Congress does. And so why are we gonna rely on Congress to create a very specific grant program when we can take the money, give it directly to you, and you'll know what your agency needs. I'm from Virginia, I live in the DC metro area. I'm, Obviously, you know, total opposite of rural, but you know, I, I know this area pretty well. Folks in the room, you know your agencies far better than anyone does in DC. Member of Congress, if you're in the House, you might know your, your area decently, but even then, they're probably not gonna know what your agency needs. Siren's an opportunity for, for those from rural areas to really get the money for exactly what they need and put it, and put it to those uses. Uh, since the Siren grants were created, We've been able to get more than 20 or almost 25 million dollars out the door to EMS agencies. There are trucks on the road today because of this program. There are medics on the street because of this program. And there are patients who are still alive because of this program. And for everyone in the room who raised your hand that you were here in 2018, you played an integral role in getting those medic units on the street and getting those uh, patients to the hospital and to survive whatever their, uh, their illness or their injury was. The big ask we have is that we need to bump up the funding level for this program. Siren was funded at $10 million for this current fiscal year, fiscal 23, which is fantastic. I know it, 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 we want to see it higher, uh, but we've been really successful over the past three or four years, every year bumping that number up higher and higher. We started at about $5 million, it grew to seven and a half, now it's up to 10. We want to see it grow to 20. Uh, every year, SAMHSA, which is the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, they get more applications for funding that they have uh, the means to award. Every year, there are agencies that they're having to reject because they just don't have the money on hand. 
And that's the message we need to bring to Congress, that the need still continues to outpace the, the funding that's available through SIREN. And so when we ask Congress to give us that additional $20 million and to bump us up to that level, it's because there is still unmet need out there and we need to get those resources to those communities. The second piece of our ask for Congress as well is to reauthorize these grants. Um, authorization is really what allows the grants to happen in the first place. Um, Congress authorizes all kinds of grant programs, usually in, in small three, five year uh, lengths of time. In this case, the SIREN grants are gonna expire at the end of this fiscal year. We have Senate Bill 265. It's from Senator Durbin from Illinois, who's really helping us push this, and Senator Collins from Maine is our lead Republican. And that would grant us another five-year extension on reauthorization of this program. We really need Congress to make sure that authorization doesn't lapse, and that way we'll continue to get money into the program and get money out the door to get ambulances on the street and get those paramedics and, and EMTs uh, of all levels out there in communities. Additionally, NAEMT, and if you haven't worked out already, all of the other national associations are also asking Congress to extend ground ambulance add-ons. This legislation would extend temporary additional reimbursement for ground ambulance services until the Medicare ambulance fee schedule is reformed. Without the extension of the ground ambulance add-ons, many ambulance service organizations will not be able to continue serving their communities. Additionally, there's a number of initiatives to help us just save the EMS workforce, uh, to expand hospital preparedness programs funded through the pandemic, an All Hazards Preparedness Act to include 50 million to fund an EMS preparedness and response workforce shortage program. We wish to be included in existing federal grants to support apprenticeship programs. Additionally, we wish to support the passage of the EMS Counts Act of 2023, which will be introduced with bipartisan support of Senator Robert Casey and Representative Susan Wilde. These changes will address the chronic miscounting of EMS personnel by allowing firefighters to identify themselves as cross-trained EMS practitioners. And we also encourage there to be a congressional hearing on the EMS workforce crisis. Finally, we're asking our US House representatives to join the Congressional EMS Caucus. What's an EMS Caucus? Again, here's our president, Susan Bailey. The EMS Caucus is for our Congress representatives to join, to promote, educate, talk about, and advocate for EMS. And so I would encourage any of our congressional leaders who have ever needed EMS, who have ever had a relative who needed EMS to, to join the caucus to promote EMS in the missions that we uh, strive to achieve every day. Those were the bills and issues. Halfway through the day, I caught up with Susan Bailey again and asked her how it was going. It's been great. We had great meetings. We just got through taking our group photo. We had the Capitol steps on the Senate side filled with EMS practitioners and people representing EMS. So it's just it's just really been great. Everybody's been busy, said their visits have been positive. Um, people are hearing our message about advocating for EMS. One of the key features about this year's EMS on the Hill, and it was very noticeable, is the presence and the collaboration of our other national associations. And this has been a feature since COVID when our national associations got together to work together to get stuff done on Capitol Hill. 
And here's Randy Strozik, president of the American Ambulance Association. Last night I got to speak to the group of 250 members that were here on their briefing getting ready today to be on the Hill. So it's, it's another case of example where the AAA, NAEMT, IFF, IFC leadership has gotten together and we try to work on things as a community and share ideas and sharing opportunities. So to be here with the other 250 members of NAEMT on the Hill, it's just a chance for all of us to get our message up here. So it's been a great day. A really, really busy day, and I've seen a number of our, you know, the members around here. Everyone's had a great time and great reception at the various offices. You know, what the best thing I've come across is that you're finding that we're getting our message across. When I talk to staff people or the electeds, they know the issues going on EMS, be it funding, be it training, be it issues of, you know, of the Siren Act or whatever it may be, depending on your entity, what you're looking for, then message is known. And we want to get the message across that, don't forget, in March of 2020, EMS was a critical part of saving America. And that we lost lives because of that, but we're still here today. But we're going to need to make progress so we can be here tomorrow. So far, we've heard from all of the officials and all of the organizers. But what about those folk that were there for the first time? Well, as I walked around the Capitol, I interviewed a few first-timers. And here's what they had to say. I've become more aware of so many other issues that, have, that are occurring in the EMS industry. I, I work as a fire captain currently online uh, and have noticed uh, some issues that have uh, been presented to us in EMS. But until I started working with you and everybody else in this space of legislation and the needs, I, I, I was completely unaware of all these issues. I think that our voices are being heard, uh, getting good response, reception, and uh, re, uh, reviewing questions from the people we're talking to. Um, I think they understand the need for EMS and the value that we provide. It has been quite impressive. It's exciting. Um, I feel very empowered, but then at the same time, I'm feeling very small. I feel small because I feel there's so much awareness to bring forward for our EMS agencies. And as you're discussing these, you know, different bills and in different situations with them, it makes me realize how much more awareness we need to bring to others. Those were the voices of Scott Holman, Chris Ottolini, and Marcy Addy, and my thanks to them. Now, if you couldn't make it this year, of course, it's not a one and done. We always want you to become involved and all the resources for how to do that can be found at NEMT.org. And also go back and listen to episode two of NEMT Radio where I talk to Chris Way and Juan Cardona all about lobbying and legislation. So thank you to everybody, but I'm going to leave the last word to Chris Way and to Susan Bailey to talk about why you should get involved, why you should come next year. We need to be a unified voice for EMS. We need to promote EMS. We have issues in EMS, just like all of healthcare, that we need to promote. We need to be asking for funding. We need to be asking for support from Congress. And, and so being here is just very important. There's a couple of options. Number one, if you can't make it to this event, you can do it virtually. But more importantly, I would still make a, make a contact with their local offices that they're in, in your district. I would make sure you're inviting them to events in your district. I know one of the things I try 
try to do every year is get a calendar for when they're back in the district and find out when they're going to be locally. And if nothing else, I just make sure I'm there. Even if it's not there for an EMS issue, I make sure that I'm there so that we can make that connection personally. And it's, it's worked to our advantage before. I would invite them for a ride along or their staff for a ride along. Getting them in your environment is incredibly important. That's it for this special edition of NAMT Radio. I've been your host, Rob Lawrence, but don't forget, NAMT Radio is available wherever you get your podcasts, to name but a few. We're on Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung Podcasts, and even iHeartRadio. And don't forget, if you're enjoying the show, take a moment to rate and review us on the platform you're listening to us on. If you have a comment, you can get in touch on email at NAMTRadio at NAEMT.org. And once again, every resource you can possibly imagine is available at NAEMT.org. That's it for now. Until next time, where we'll be joined by guest Matt Zavansky. Bye for now.